Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logi the Barbarian. And today I'm joined by Robbie, who happens to be an intellectual prop an intellectual property attorney, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I uh, I do a lot of work in IP space. Uh, I have some kind of specialty and expertise with uh, copyrights and trademarks and that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I know that's been a topic of discussion. There was some stuff with kind of the the TSR trademark in particular, and you know, sort of how these things apply to to kind of what we do. And and thought it'd be fun to talk about. Yeah, it definitely is something we've been wanting to talk about. We definitely have mentioned it before on the show. We'd like to get someone in this space that knows about that stuff because there's all kinds of licenses out there from that third edition when that put out the open use license. And you have like Creative Commons licensing and copyleft movements that happened. And then you have different forms of intellectual property, trademarks and copyrights. For starters, I don't think I can tell you the difference between a <laughs> trademark and a copyright, even though I know I've heard it a hundred times. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's pretty normal, right? It's sort of, you know, how do these things intersect with your daily life? You know, I, if I can like just nerd out and go into a history lesson. Please do. That's what we like here. <laughs> so, you know, trademark, like what it is, is, is right there in the word, right? It Like where it comes from is, you know, Paul Revere is making his silverware and um, he wants to, people to know that those are his. And so he puts a mark on every spoon and that's Paul Revere's trademark. And the law will protect against the offense of passing off. Like if somebody else is like, oh, the, my spoons are just as good. I'm going to put Paul Revere's trademark on mine and then they'll buy those. That's that's against the law and, and Paul Revere can do something about it. And sort of where it gets really complicated and uh, confusing is that, you know, our, our law is sort of based in this deeply capitalist system and that copyright itself is a piece of alienable property. So Paul Revere can go and sell just that trademark to someone else and now you're buying spoons that have Paul Revere's trademark on them, but they're not from Paul Revere. They're just from the guy that he sold them to. So if you do it without Paul Revere letting you, you're in trouble. But if Paul Revere let you, then that's fine. Copyright copyright is in its current form, you know, it, it protects um, sort of creative expression, right? So, um, you know, you um, write a poem, do a dance, make a sculpture, something like that. And the sort of creativity that you put out into the world the idea is that um, that enriches the whole world enough that we're going to give you a monopoly on on like doing certain things with that, right? Like the, the biggest is on making copies and that's, that's kind of right in the name. And it notably is not supposed to protect anything functional. So there's a big Supreme Court case uh, a long time ago where somebody had a book that had a, an accounting method in it. And somebody else made another book where they, they rewrote it, didn't take any of the person's like words or phrases or whatever, but taught the same method. And um, you know, the first person sued said, hey, I got a copyright in that book. And the Supreme Court of the United States said, the copyright protects the, the words that you wrote down, protects your own expression, but the functional thing in there is not protected by copyright. If you wanna protect that, go get a patent. So is that why because I've heard people say that you can't copyright a game mechanic. Yeah, that's that's exactly why. And it's uh, there's a lot of stuff in the law where you're like, ah, I don't know, it's sort of like not black and white. Um, that one is very black and white, right? Like follow these steps in this order that is not protected under copyright. If you want to protect that, you got to get a patent. And uh, like Wizards of the Coast has, right? They they have at least one, I think, I think a few patents from uh, Magic the Gathering. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't know yeah. they had patents on Magic the Gathering. So I'm yeah. curious. I don't know what if they're is. still good because it was like a long time ago. But How, So do patents usually like, no, I've, I, I'm going to bring something up. Like, yeah, we're, 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 this is a role-playing game podcast. 
yeah, I yeah, play yeah. role-playing games. You play role-playing games. Love but it. these are the laws that kind of impact. We got a lot of creatives putting stuff out there that use mechanics from other games and maybe ideas from other things. I think it's probably good to learn a few things, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney like kind of built their entire empire off of taking other people's stories and putting it up there on the screen. Yeah, Peter really Pan, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, and then they like own everything now. All the stories that I grew up with, they bought. Like <laughs> I loved Marvel Comics and Star Wars as a kid, and Disney owns all that now. Like there's kind of their business is having ownership of all these different stories. So how does that yeah. work? Yeah, and every time it looks like their copyrights might expire, they um, they get involved in uh, in the legal process, right? Uh, so the the Copyright Term Extension Act uh, is sort of colloquially referred to as the Mickey Mouse Act sometimes, because every time it looks like Steamboat Willie is going to go into the public domain, they're like, no, we can't stand for this. It used to be copyrights had the same term as patents, which was... Oh, God. And, you know, again, this is historical stuff that I think this kind of stuff is interesting. I don't know. I do, too. Um, I'm curious, though, because I was going to ask, because I've had i heard stories of Dickens and um, Mark Twain when it comes yeah. to things. like I'm curious to see where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. So it, it used to be uh, way back when that if you had a copyright, it lasted for a term of two apprenticeships, which was two seven-year terms. So you get 14 years out of that copyright and then it's out into the public domain. Uh, like when Thomas Jefferson wrote his Copyright Act, that's that's what it was, right? It's 14 years. And then, uh, you know, they made it so that you can extend your copyright for another term. And so you had a 14-year term, another 14-year term for, for 28 years total, which seems like, like kind of a long time to me. And um, they've just been extending them and extending them. The current law in the United States is that copyright lasts for the, let me see, for works by by a person, by just like normal people, it's the life of the person plus uh, 70 years. So it lasts until 70 years Ooh. after the person who made it is, has passed away. And for works with, you know, sort of like a, like a corporate authorship or whatever, or that copyright is held by, you know, let's say just to pick a name out of a hat, Hasbro, um, it's going to be, it's going to be 90, uh, is it 90, 96 years? 96 years like, after what? Yeah. Just after creation or just period? Yeah, I, I believe the current copyright law is after creation, right? Because okay. it's if you look at older copyrights, it's after date of first publication. But now it's after the work is first fixed in a physical medium. Or, or so Dungeons and Dragons is about, what, 48 years? So we got, <laughs> we're about halfway there. <laughs> yeah, just hold on right like oh uh, your grandkids they're gonna be able to do whatever they want i'll be able to um, say dungeon master again then legally <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i mean that's that's also that's that's another interesting thing right because it's this sort of like weird intersection where they like to overlap different kinds of of intellectual property on top of each other which is where it gets really confusing so one of the things again going going to disney is they they have a, a an interest in Mickey Mouse, for example, not entering the public domain. And copyrights do have a finite life; like they can they can keep on pushing it, but sooner or later, enough is enough, and and it's going to lapse into the public domain. And so, what they've been doing is, uh, I, I'm, I don't I don't work for Disney; I don't represent them. This is all speculation, right? I don't know. But um, they like if they sell like a T-shirt, it's it's not just like the Disney logo; it's like the picture of Mickey Mouse on the tag. So they say. Um, not only is this a copyright that we have, it's also a trademark. And uh, if you sell something uh, with Mickey Mouse on it, then we are going 
then we have an argument that you are trying to pretend that this came from Disney, right? That you are using our source identifying trademark in commerce and, and we can do something about that. Which is, I think, like part of where people get confused, <laughs> right? Is because like they, they want to have everything all at the same time. But they're using Mickey Mouse as a trademark. That's, I get it. That makes yeah. sense. It's, it's, it's wild. And, you know, there are... Um, so uh, you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? Um, neither copyright nor trademark is supposed to protect anything functional. And there's this concept in trademark law of um, aesthetic functionality, right? Like if you um, if you say, oh, hey, like that, I recognize that that like Disney logo, and I know that like Disney makes a high quality product. Like that's what trademark law is supposed to protect. But if you say, I just like it because it's got that picture on it, like trademark law is not supposed to protect that, but um, you know who's got the money and lawyers to challenge something like that? Yeah, like, like it's not like they got they got they did, they did pretty good. I saw I saw Far from or No Way Home. Yeah, pretty good movie. It's making a lot of money. They got me beat any day when it comes to the laws. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I'm not gonna lie, it was cool. Yeah, no, none of this is meant to to disparage Disney in any way. I just you know yeah they are they're a big player, right? Like they're they're very visible, and people can kind of um, see what they're doing. How much do you know about like open licensing? The what they call what do they call it? Like a copy left things like that. Or yeah. open license, like so. You have like a Creative Commons, which is kind of, I'd say, that's probably in what people once or may refer to as a copyleft thing. Or is this something I'm making up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, when it comes to copyright, by default, nobody has any right to to use your copyrighted materials in the way that the law protects. Right. So um, the ones, the the big ones, I think the ones that most people care about is you can't make copies. And you can't make um, what's called derivative works, right? You can't sort of like take that and add your own pieces on and, and change it around and, and re-release it. Um, by default, nobody can do anything, but you can allow people to do it. And, um, you know, license is just saying like, hey, anybody who wants can, um, can use this stuff as long as you also sort of follow these rules that we've laid out. And Creative Commons has done amazing work. I'm, I'm a huge fan in trying to make this stuff very accessible, usable, right? They have, you know, just kind of a series of logos and you sort of pick what you want and they handle all the sort of like legal boilerplate for you, right? So do you care about attribution? That's, that's a common one, right? Like you can use this stuff as much as you want, as long as you leave my name on it or, um, you know, non-commercial use. I think, you know, with it's not quite the same thing as copyleft, but they're related concepts where you say, you know, like I made this thing as like a passion project that I love and I don't want to see you turning around and selling it. And so you can, you can have this sort of like non-commercial or you can sort of say like, you can, you can use it, you can make copies, but no modifications. And they, they've come up with a way where it's sort of really easy to pick what you want to attach that license, uh, you know, conspicuously so that everybody has it. And then there's like the icons so that there's no mistaking um, which one you have. If you're ever sort of publishing or releasing anything, uh, I, I highly recommend at least, you know, taking a look at uh, the Creative Commons stuff, the Creative Commons licenses and seeing kind of what your options are. I'll put something out there as I used to use, what I used to do, I think this has come up on, uh, probably going to come up on both episodes this week, but I used to do a blog and it was very political, but we used <laughs> to use, we used to use a Creative Commons license there. It worked out for me because a lot of people were taking my writings and, and putting them out in 
little publications that weren't making a dime. There wasn't any money in there that I was losing out on because they were trying no. to put these publications out. But it got us a lot of attention because people were distributing our stuff and attributing it to where it was. Oh, what is this? What is this website that I'm hearing about? And who is this? This yeah. it, it got us a lot of attention using a, a, a Creative Commons license like that. Helped us out a bit. <laughs> yeah, and that's because, you know, you have different concerns than Hasbro does, right? Like, <laughs> sort of how you make your money is fundamentally different. So, you know, you want a different kind of license, right? Like, you want to get your name out there and, and sort of be able to keep doing what you're doing, whereas they want to, like, have some amount of control over, over how their stuff gets used and, and who who can reproduce it. So I've used the term copy left. What can yeah. you tell me about that term? Where does that come from? Do you have any uh, copy left? This is the one uh, Steve Ballmer called a cancer on intellectual property. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm very interested now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the idea, and, and I, I believe this was like originally Richard Stallman's idea, but, you know, you associate it with the Free Software Foundation out there yes. in Boston. You know, not only can you only use this under, under these certain terms, but also any... Um, any reproduction, any derivative work also has like these, these terms attached to it. And the, the idea is that you say, you know, uh, like the, the new general public license, you know, says, uh, you know, um, you can't prohibit anyone from selling this commercially. Like you can sell it, but the person you sell it to could turn around and give it away for free. Let me interject one here. You said the yeah. new license that's gnu oh yeah i'm sorry G gnu some people uh, may not be familiar with that term so i just wanted to be clear on that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i'm sorry gnu it's an acronym for news not unix it's one of those like recursive things yeah it was it was kind of the i think it was the original it's certainly like a big player in the field the idea is that you you can't stop somebody from giving this stuff away um if you create any derivative works that that incorporate it then everything is covered by this so it, there's let me see. There, there, there's some um, like legal, like if you're worried about what's considered derivative work and you're thinking about releasing product, talk, talk to a lawyer, right? That's outside the yeah. scope of this. But, um, you know, the idea is that, you know, you're, you're going to make something, you say, hey, here's a bunch of stuff that's available for, for free, in quotes. Uh, and the problem is it's not the kind of free that you think, right? It's not, it's not free, like, oh, hey, free pizza. It's free, like, like freedom, <laughs> right? It's like free, like free speech. Uh, and then those terms also attach to your thing that you're trying to sell. And it really interferes with, you know, your ability to make a profit off of it. Um, I think that's, that's, I, I have not seen that come up a lot in um, sort of the gaming space. Uh, I think that it, it could. So what are some of the licensing issues that tend to be issues within like gaming? Cause we're using, we're making supplements for other games and a lot of people are mimicking other ideas like oh this is conan with the serial numbers filed <laughs> off as they say yeah what are some some things points that we would probably want to want to focus on specifically for those who are either well probably for those who are trying to put out their own zines or their own games and stuff yeah so like if you're making a game there's a lot of ambiguity right where the rules of the game should not be covered under copyright. Like you could you could probably go to court, spend however much money and time and find out that you were right, be exonerated on that. But there is going to be uh, some copyrighted stuff that's kind of folded in there and you never know exactly what. Like, can you like can you use the, the term CR, right? Like, can you use the term dungeon master? Like, can, can you call your defense score an armor class? Like, I, I don't know. Like the point is that nobody knows, but if you know Wizards of the Coast releases an an open gaming license and says, "Hey, like everything that's that's sort of within these bounds, feel free to use it as long as you use it under these terms," it kind of removes that like 
sort of Damocles, right? You say, I don't have to find out, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> as a lawyer, I'm going to tell you is very good. You know, and then and then they sort of like reserve back the things that they don't want to be covered under there. So that's that's a very common thing. I think anytime you see uh, sort of an open gaming license type of thing, it, it's it's helpful, right? It, it's, oh, um, yeah. yeah, it gives you some comfort. There's also, there's a part of it where it's a tool for communication. Um, like you, you can say that maybe, oh God, how do I say this? <clears throat> like copyright is a private right of action. You know, you're not going to have, you know, the police breaking down your door and, you know, carried off to, to a detention center somewhere because of you're, you're going to get sued saying that the person who holds that copyright has the right to do something about it if you use it. And if somebody is releasing this stuff sort of under this open gaming license, you know, whatever, they're telling the world, I want you to use this stuff. I just want you to be respectful when you do it. So, you know, again, if you're trying to like make a business, get in any kind of whatever, you know, it can't hurt to, to talk to a lawyer about your specific situation, but like that should tell you, like, it's worth investing my time to build something off of this. And, and I'm not going to have to worry about having the rug pulled out from under me. Now, I, I think, and this is a, just a personal opinion from someone who's extremely lame and I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> the amount of knowledge you have. I have none of that. <laughs> um, but I think in my mind, like you said, when they put out that that open game license and a lot of companies have done that now i know like just one of the ones that i love is is free league and they've got an open license for the year zero engine as well and like i was saying before when i put stuff out that was under a creative common license and it was being put places it drove people back to the source where it came from this kind of helps those companies by being like yeah, yeah come play in the sandbox when you need a player's handbook or you need, or you need other, you're going to come back to us again and say, okay, I want to get, it, it drives you back to where it all started a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that um, like Hasbro Wizards of the Coast needs the help, but if, if I'm free league, right. I'm not, but if I was, you know, I would say, Hey, we have this great engine. It's a lot of fun. can do a lot of stuff. I want people to know, all about this and like we have limited resources as far as our development goes right like we we can do you know whatever like alien and and Vassin and and whatever but if you uh have your own like cyberpunk game like i would rather that you use a version of our engine and that way more people know it and when they come and pick up our books they say like oh hey i know how to do this from my experience that's the barrier yeah. to entry right is that like you know learning all these systems and figuring out how they work uh i I, I got a lot of stuff going on. I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have a ton of time. I think there's a lot of people. I know from my perspective, and I've said this a million times on this show, a lot of people just don't have the time to go through that 600 page book and learn a new system. If what you're putting out, I can use with what I already know, that helps. Yeah. If what you're putting out is super rules light and I can flip through it and go, oh, okay, I'm probably, that helps too. And if it's compatible again, like with something I've already got, I'm like, oh, okay, it helps me to pull it into game and use it because there's only so much time I got. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, uh, oh, I don't remember exactly how the phrase goes, but, you know, sort of the, the problem for most artists isn't, isn't copying the problem is obscurity right yes uh and again if you're if you're you know hasbro was just the coast you have a different you have a different set of problems uh, they're, and they're with them like it's a pulp they own a pop culture icon like the yeah. dungeons and dragons that branding there is what's worth the money you yeah, see I mean, it on tv yeah. and shows it's referred to as the, like, like q-tip yeah. you own q-tip all you have to say is q-tip you know what a q-tip is 
you don't really want to call it a cotton swab because that's not what you know. And they did something very smart with that, you know, from a from a business point of view, right? Is that they release this open gaming license and they say that you know, sort of um, the D twenty system and the nuts and bolts of of how this works and like what dice you roll and everything. Go ahead and use that. But if you go back to the twentieth century, to TSR Dungeons and Dragons, they built this brand around like elves and dragons and and dwarves and stuff and you know it's really precarious because uh that didn't come from them right like uh you can go and make your own game about like elves and orcs and trolls and whatever and they can't stop you but if you take the stuff that is sort of uniquely indisputably theirs if you take like um beholders and mind flayers and dragonborn tiefling whatever then that is their intellectual property right they have copyrights on those uh, I, I don't think that I've seen them try to use those kind of things in a trademark sense, but there's really nothing stopping them. Um, and so they say, you know, you can use the D20 engine, but like, this is stuff that is very like source identifying and we want to build our brand around this. You know, I love, I love Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, uh, they <laughs> yeah. weren't, they weren't like the most savvy <laughs> business people, <laughs> you know? Oh, that, I mean, that's, if you start reading the history, Gary Gygax was definitely not, uh, from the beginning, Guy and Armisen, none of them were business. They were gamers. I, not gonna lie, I kind of prefer the games in the hand of gamers and not business yeah. people. And I think there's yeah. a lot of that going on in the community right now, and little zines and everything else, and independent publications like Drive Through. That's kind of where I think it needs to be. That's where it was, came from in the first place. I guess. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about role playing games is community, right? Like when I uh, when I started playing this stuff as like, you know, a teenager or whatever, it was very, uh, what I'm going to call photocopier punk, right? Where it was sort yes. of just, you know, like <laughs> people in a game store passing stuff back and forth. You had your like D100 critical hit tables that was like photocopied 10 times and it's stuff scratched <laughs> out. There was yes. this stuff somebody made in there like dot matrix printer where it had like the weird, you know, whatever. And it was all just kind of like people making and sharing stuff. And I think that the ecosystem for that, like it, we live in a better world when that thrives, right? When you have stuff like, like all these sort of online portals where, where you know, like, uh, you know, itch.io or whatever, mm -hmm. where people can just kind of like make and share things. Uh, and that's that's what I'm here for. Like that's that's my stuff. Circa the 80s and 90s, we couldn't find certain books often. We didn't couldn't go online to find them. Not yeah. gonna lie, I sat there in front of a Xerox machine and photo photocopied entire books to put into a three-ring binder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think anyone's gonna sue me for that. That was like 25 years ago, at least. <laughs> More longer than that now that I think about it. I'm getting old. <laughs> But you know, that was a thing that we were doing to get a hold of that stuff. It's like, oh well, you got you got this book. I really need it. Yeah, I had it, I had yeah, I had entire AD and D books that were in three ring binders. If we had an hour, I have an hour's more stuff to talk about. You know, I mean, there's sort of like the open problem of piracy. And uh, again, I can't speak for like was the coast Hasbro, but like Bill Gates went on record of talking about, um, you know, piracy, I think specifically in, in China, but saying like, if they're going to be stealing stuff, we want them to be stealing our stuff, <laughs> right? Like you want people to sort of like, like use it and get their foot in the door. And then you say like, Hey, we're turning off the faucet. You got to come back to us. There's a lot of stuff about fair use and kind of, you know, what you're talking about there. I think a lot of non-lawyers throw that term around because they like the way it sounds right. Like, Oh, I can use it if it's fair. And that's not really what it means. But it's, it's this like big, important concept where, you know, sort of like there are exceptions to copyright, right? Like there's stuff that's carved out of the law and saying that, like, it, you know, if you're going to use it within ways that that the law wants you to use it, um, then that's OK. And again, big topic. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I, I, I'm curious to dabble in some of that. Whatever you, you can tell our users that they might find useful in their situation. I mean, I think that's one of those things where knowing like a little bit can can kind of get you into trouble. Ah, that works. No, I've, I've been on the internet and people hear what they want to hear and then say like, oh, this guy told me I could and I'm not telling anyone they can do anything. Well, so what's the, what's the actual definition of what reuse is? is out of curiosity or is that one of those things where uh it's it's defined uh in the copyright act uh i'm gonna say oh god i don't want to get this wrong like in public i think it's section 107 um but it's it's one of those things where like you really like really you need to get a lawyer if you're getting into that thing where you're gonna like absorb some kind of risk onto yourself and you're gonna say like it's okay because it's it's fair use like i think that sort of like general advice on first principles is if you are, um, is that you know when you're doing something wrong, right? I think that like m- most people kind of have this idea, right? Like they're, you know, copying, distributing, going to like certain websites and getting stuff. Uh, like they know that it's wrong and they're trying to look for some some justification. And, you know, uh, stay safe out there. Like don't, your IP address can be tracked and, you know, who knows who, knows who might want to do that or have the ability to do that. But like, just just stay safe out there. And, and like, if it's really coming down to that, if you're saying that like, hey, you know, we really want to play this game, but uh, you know, it's a lot of money that we don't have. Maybe, maybe like play something else. You know? <laughs> there's a ton of great games out there from like little creators who could use the boost. Yeah, there's a lot of great games out there that are in physical form, 10, 15 bucks. There's a bunch of them going on in Kickstarter right now for Zane Month. And a lot of those folks are like, even putting out on itch.io community copies for free. Those are some cool games. Maybe the trademark on the top there is would that be incorrect to assume that the Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> logos they're using are trademarks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like the definition of a trademark is um, it is it's something that is used in commerce to identify the source of goods or services. So I'm assuming that the ampersand that they use is probably trademarked or. You know, I, I haven't looked through because they're registered and unregistered <laughs> trademarks and I haven't okay. looked through what their registered trademarks are. Um, but I would be shocked if that like that like dragon ampersand was not a trademark. You know, it's gotta be. Uh, yeah. and, like the Dungeons and Dragons logo and and name and whatever. So go try finding the one with the with the dragon asterisk instead. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool yeah i mean I, you know people people are like i want to play dungeons and dragons because everyone's playing dungeons and dragons and it's it's valid like i don't want to sound like i'm dismissive of that right like it's this massive cultural moment that you want to be a part of right it's like oh yeah it's, it's like everyone wanted to watch game of thrones when everyone was watching game of thrones but nobody's watching it now because that's over right oh. and so saying hey why don't you play this other game instead they're like no but this is happening and i want to be a part of it like i totally get that but i i want to see i want to see an ecosystem where like little creators can thrive you know what i mean oh yeah i definitely do i mean 100 like i try to push that here well, it's like oh hasbro even paizo some companies have a lot of money they can market pretty well and they have the money to pay for the art that they want to add to it the big printing they want to add to it but there's a lot of people out there who like gary gygax and, and dave arneson at the beginning might be able to afford a little eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper folded in half printed into a book because that's what D started as and you know they might be able to get that out on a, on a on a photocopier at first they might be able to do a little nicer if you support them you know than just that 
the point is they don't have a marketing budget. They may have something that's wonderful. And a lot of folks really do really creative people, but they don't have the money from the big corporations behind them to be able to crank out all this stuff. But it doesn't mean what they're putting out isn't amazing because those big corporations have to go to somewhere for the talent to make it, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of talent out there in this world. We've really been seeing kind of this, this explosion in you have like Powered by the Apocalypse and Forged in the Dark and sort of like these game engines where the people that are behind them have this kind of intentionality of having, you know, sort of engine and then the game that's built on top of it and having those as kind of separable constructs, which, you know, like in AD&D, there really wasn't, right? Just kind of like, <laughs> hey, here's what you get. And if you wanted to do something else, that's on you, uh, which is also fine. But um, I I think that's, that's going to be, you know, kind of a huge, a huge boon. And I think that, yeah, again, like if, if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, I really can't afford this game that I want to play, like there's, there's a lot of great cheap games out there. And if you learn one of these systems, you know, it can kind of be used over and over again. Yeah, it's great stuff to check out. Definitely check out some of the stuff people are putting out there. We're about running up on time. Um, I usually ask people that, that are on here to tell where they can f- buy their games and stuff, but <laughs> I don't think you're so, you got a game out there to try to, to try to get the world to play. <laughs> if you need what I'm selling, then I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. No, but uh, yeah, I, I run games. Um, there's like a meetup group here in Seattle. You know, if I'm going to plug anything, I want to see kind of more people running games and especially running kind of like like open things where people can can kind of drop in and drop out because I, I really do believe in sort of um, the power community, right? Like get to know kind of who's like you have your table with your friends and, and you all get along and that's great. And I don't want you to take anything away from that. But if you can also maybe like meet some new people who are maybe like doing different things in different ways, having different ideas, uh, that enriches everyone. I'll tell you one thing too, I'm just going to add this in there as a dungeon master and a player, like I, I learn stuff from other people when I go play in yeah. their games because they're doing things differently and they're teaching me stuff. It's good to learn from others. It's how you grow and it's how you get better at your game. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you listened and share on social media, share to your friends who like games or who are interested in probably trying out those games, but maybe haven't given it a step or that's taken that step. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. And we now have just set up a Patreon. Uh, It takes a few bucks out of our pockets. So, you know, it would be helpful to maybe recoup some of that. So it's patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.